This episode is brought to you by the Shop 1 in 5 Pledge. We believe that when you purchase from a small online or offline business, your dollar goes further. Hey friends, Mina and I created the Shop 1 in 5 Pledge, and we're inviting you to take it with us. It's a commitment to make one in five of your purchases from a small business online or offline. It's a way to make an impact together where and when it matters most. Because the truth is, your purchasing power matters now more than ever. Head to shop1in5.com to take the pledge. Make that commitment to shop one in five of your purchases towards a small business. We also invite you to shop the directory if you don't know where to find other small businesses. It's right there on the page. And we're asking for you to share the pledge. Imagine if each of us told three to four people about the Shop 1 in 5 pledge. It would be an incredible and life-changing for so many small businesses. Tell your friends, your family, and your social network. It costs nothing extra and makes a world of difference. Our purchases have the ability to change lives. Okay, let's jump in. Welcome to the Product Boss Podcast, where we help product-based businesses grow their sales and improve their strategies. Hey, everyone. I want to introduce you to my co-host and biz bestie, Mina Kunlo-Sitap, an Amazon guru that has built a multi-six-figure product-based business. And introducing the other half of the product boss, Jacqueline Snyder. She has helped launch and grow over 500 fashion apparel and accessory brands, even one of her own. And together, we share our inventory of secret weapons that will help you dig deep and do the work it takes. Are you ready? Let's build together. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Product Boss Podcast. I'm your host, Jacqueline Snyder, with my delightful co-host, Mina Kunlo-Sitap. Hey, Mina. Hey, Jacqueline. I'm excited for today's. We are seeing so many incredible results with our students of things that they have implemented, that they've learned, whether they're in multi-stream machine or they've learned something in our workshops or even in our masterminds. And we're really excited to share with you all today some case studies of product bosses out there that are scaling their product businesses. And we're going to share three different case studies with you. One is a maker, one is a manufacturer, and one is a retailer. We get these questions all the time on how to scale your business. And this is going to be a really fun episode to share some stories. Yeah. We get to work uh, with our students, our masterminders, all these people behind the scenes, and we get to really see their growth. And it'll be a really fun episode because then we get to share that with you today because you guys don't probably see the growth the way that we do. We're going to steer them the way we want them. And then they ask us questions and we get to work within their businesses. So it's just a really amazing way to see the leaps and bounds that entrepreneurs really take. It's, it's an incredible thing to be a part of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, we get this question all the time. I'm, I'm not sure if any of you out there are listening, but it's the idea of scaling your business. And so what is scaling? It's growing your business, right? It's more sales, maybe more platforms, you know, increased capacity and more profit, 100% more profit. for sure. Mm-hmm. And so many times we get a little bit of pushback or hesitancy from um, students or people in the community that are afraid, like, what will happen if my business actually does take off? Like, do any of you feel that way out there? Like, what will happen if I actually do succeed? Or, you know, every, (laughs) they always say, like, what if everybody wants my product? You know, it's like all of us are are hoping and wishing for that. But (laughs) that's a good problem to have, right? (laughs) (laughs) Everyone and their moms are calling for it. But if that happens, if you, if you, get some sort of press hit, you know, or you, you know, some sort of placement, you know, it goes, you have a, a 
TikTok or a reel that goes viral, you have some major influencer share your product, you're going to want to have you know more sales based on that, right? You've done all this marketing, all these marketing efforts, and you want those sales to come in, but can you keep up with those sales? And we've seen it time and time again where business owners really struggle here. And I think that fear sometimes holds them back from taking these steps forward. So we wanted to share some incredible stories of product bosses that we've worked with and students that have done it. And they've actually found freedom and more profit and they're able to you know, make more money and live these incredible lives that they've been wanting to live. Yeah, for sure. It has a lot to do with you know the bigger you scale, the better your systems have to be. Right. So these are all incredible case studies. You're just going to be blown away and it'll be really, it'll be really inspiring. So that's what what our hope is that is that it inspires you to know that it can be done and it's proof that it can be done. Right. Proof. That's, I think sometimes we were, we had this conversation. We were on a podcast yesterday about sort of what was the thing for you and I that shifted when we really saw our business take off. Like when we went from sort of the product class only being on Fridays, because we mm, you, working on the Fridays. Yeah. You know. If you don't know us very well, Mina and I both also have other businesses. So Mina has Little Labels, which is her product business. And I have Designer Consulting Co-op, which is my consulting business for fashion brands. I'm no longer um, taking new clients there. So nobody <laughs> jump over there. Like, disclaimer. Disclaimer. (laughs) The clients that are in are in and that's it for now. But we have those two businesses. And so those were, you know, if we talk about five day work work week, those were four of the days. And then one of the day extra was the product boss. Well, now the product boss is like seven and a half days a week. (laughs) 24 seven, seven days a week. Amazing. Yeah. And our other businesses, like Mina has been able to scale little labels where it doesn't require her all the time. Designer consulting thought for me, I've been able to you know, I'm actually, I have very specific clients and kind of pulled back there, but you know, and now it's, it's switched for us. And so someone asked, when did that switch? And it was sort of like when we, Mina and I took, you know, took that lid off of the jar in which like the product boss could be contained in and we're like, anything is possible. We yeah. could grow this bigger. And I think that's something we want you all to maybe take away from this episode that you can see possibilities out there because we were surrounded by other people showing us that that was possible. Um, and we want to, t- to take the lid off for you as well so you can see what may be possible for you and your business. Yeah, I love that you brought that up because, you know, we won't believe it till we see it sort of thing. And a lot of times we don't see people that do scale product business for product businesses, for example. But the reason why Jack and I wanted to share these particular case studies in particular is because we want to show you there's a path to profit for every single person out there. You know, with me, when she was talking about low labels, I really went in the realm of manufacturing, for example. And that really helped me scale the way I wanted to with the life that I wanted. And but there's also, you know, this is really case studies. We'll have a case study of a maker and a manufacturer like me and then a retailer. So whatever that looks like for you, it's all it's been done with having a physical good, a physical product. We're gonna show you and we're gonna inspire you today. Mm-hmm. So our first maker is Brooke from Be Happy Design. So we are going to link to all of the business owners that we talk about in the show notes so you can buy from them, support them, follow them on social media, do what you can to support. So Brooke of Be Happy Designs, she is a knitter and she started a knitting business of knitting handmade hats, um, like those pom-pom beanie hats. And she really was struggling to keep up with the the business because she's the knitter, right? She was knitting all the hats. I mean, tell us a little bit more about Brooke. 
Yeah, you, and we'll link it in the show notes as well. She was on the podcast. So you probably heard about how she had this big, bold move, big adventure of selling everything that she had. There are a house in, um, in um, Iowa, where I am, and they packed out their kids up and they hit the road. They, um, she started to scale the business from her RV, which is an incredible RV. If you, there's anybody to follow on Instagram, it, it is Brooke because she's just amazing. It's incredible how beautiful that RV is. She has her kids there. She has three kids, and she's really making it happen. You know, her challenge really was how do I scale a handmade business where I'm knitting all the things, and how can I do that even even in the scope of being on the road with my kids. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So, you know, and, and Brooke had like high demand. So people followed her on social media. They saw her wear the hats, especially she has this crossover audience of people following her and her travel, her RV life, um, as well as wanting what she wears and wanting what she's, she's selling, which are the hats. And so, like you said, her challenge was really scaling that. I remember when, before she started working with us or right when she kind of started working with us, she was really hitting this momentum in her business. And she had to turn down, I think it was like 40 different retailers mm-hmm. that wanted to buy from her because she could not hit that capacity. She couldn't possibly herself. She knit. was her own bottleneck for sure. I mean, nobody alive can knit that many hats. <laughs> nobody. We <laughs> know that sure. as a fact. Actually, every time we talk to her, she's like knitting every time she's on a call with us. But yeah, so that was her challenge, right? It was that she kept hitting capacity. The demand was there, which is we all want the demand to be there for our products. But the she wasn't able to fulfill the products. And I know, and I talked about this earlier in the episode where a lot of you feel that way. Like, okay, if I suddenly hit hit it the way I wanted to hit it, I'm not going to be able to keep up. And you know that Brooke didn't want to spend this time where they sold all of their their you know earthly belongings, bought an RV to go on the road with their children, homeschool their children, see the country, and actually for her to miss it all because she was knitting. So those were that that was her challenge. It was like, how do I keep up with that? So you know, Brooke ended up becoming a student in multi-stream machine, um, and she was really able to start to finesse and scale her business. And once she really saw that take off, and that she was selling more, and she was keeping up, and we'll tell, we'll share with you how she did that. She then joined our mastermind, so she's now a masterminder, but she's also a multi-stream machine student. So, what was her solution, Mina? Like, how did she end up being a maker that could keep up with the demand? Love it. A lot of it has to do with systems and inventory. So when you're feeling like you're drowning in all the things that you need to do, the demand that is expected of you and you can't fulfill, there's a capacity issue. You don't have what's what they want on the shelves. So how do you solve that? Well, you need to get a grasp on your inventory. But how can you create inventory? As a maker, you actually have to create it with your hands. But here's the thing. People think that it has to be with their own hands. But really, mm-hmm. it can be with anybody's hands, right? If you want to say handmade, she could have manufactured, but let's not go there, right? So it has to be made. Inventory has to be made in order for people, for her to sell. Because the question is, what is she going to sell, right? So the solution for her in the very, very beginning is to think about, okay, what is my capacity? I need to figure out what that is. And then I need to hire against it as far as, okay, these people are going to start building up an inventory for me and I'm going to give them a system. So a lot of times she hires on the uh, hires on these other knitters, which by the way is employing 
artists, essentially, right? Knitters that are, a lot of them are like designers and that sort of thing. Like they, in crafters, they need a way to make money. So one of her employees actually said that she made enough money to put a, a down, down payment, payment on a house. Yeah. Which is incredible, right? Because she needed that money during COVID for sure. And so it's just been this beautiful thing, but she's been able to teach them in a way where it's like, okay, I'm building this inventory. Here is what you're making. And so we're talking about systems here. And here are the photos that you need to take along the way too, because I'm going to put these on the website. I'm going to sell them in this particular launch. So see how I kind of moved you through the... She thought about the entire thing. This is the inventory. These are the in-process things that are happening. And then this is the finished good that I'm selling at the end to make me money. So it all came together as far as, okay, this is how she had to think about it was from all the way from the stabilization from her systems all the way to scaling and making sales. Right. And I want to add back into what you're talking about from systems. So so a lot of you are like, well, that's great that Brooke was doing so well, she could hire people. Well, she didn't start with the team that she has now. She started with one knitter, maybe two knitters, right? She, uh-huh. she first and said a shipper. Okay. Yeah. So she really first though, when she first started this and when she was sort of in, she first, you know, became a student in multi-shoe machine, for example, she was doing majority and she was sort of outsourcing, you know, knitting to people, not at the capacity again that she could keep up. I think what she really implemented also from being a student in the course was really looking at her pricing And like Mm -hmm. you said, her inventory. So realizing if her margins were there or they weren't there. And then also, so once she was able to really assess her margins and say like, am I profitable here? Do I have enough money built into each hat, for example, to then be able to have enough money to hire more people? And she worked on that as a student. She also, like you said, she looked at her inventory and was like, okay, for the demand that's out there, how much inventory do I need to have? How do I stock this inventory? If you follow her, you'll see her pictures on in her RV of where she keeps all the yarn. She has them send the the hats back to her, like wherever uh-huh. she is in the country. And she's actually the one right now that still fulfills and ships. Yeah, I had that wrong. I was thinking she was shipping, but they're actually shipping to her. And mm-hmm. what's funny is that for a little time period here, she was at her parents' house and she's like, is it okay if I have them send everything to your house? Because she's now... Her parents' house, uh, not your yeah, house, right? I mean, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's talking to her parents in this case. And so she sent everything to her parents' house because now cut to a year later, she's fulfilling a bunch of wholesale orders right now. So now she's accumulated all the inventory she needs to meet that demand um, for wholesalers. Yeah. And so that's... So exactly. That's the result. So now we're looking at this you know, as a student, now a masterminder and what she's really fleshed out that she's actually been able to keep up with capacity so much so... I think she was only like the last time we spoke to her 10 hats away from having... And we're recording this in August. So having all of her holiday orders for wholesale produced all the way in the it summer. Was thousands of hats. Thousands. You know? And like massive companies have been buying from her. And so think about that, right? Because last year, I think it was even last year, she had to say no to them. She was still knitting up till the moment it needed to be sent out during her busiest time of year, which was the fall and the winter. Now she was really able to look up, remember her margins. She worked on her systems as a student in multi-shoe machine. She looked at her pricing. She looked at her inventory. She's able to flesh out her production, create a production schedule and actually, actually get help. Which my friends, if there's ever a theme, is that you're going to understand that a lot of this is going to be that you need help, that you can't do it all. 
on your own if you have big dreams for your business. Yeah. And if you have big dreams for your life, right? Because during this time, she also was still knitting. She was mm-hmm. coming up with designs. She was coming up with her fall launch. She has a really, really big trade show in the fall, for example, that she's really inspired by. And she'll be debuting a whole bunch of things. This is direct to consumer too. So she's really excited about that because that kicks off her busy season. Um, but during this time, she's also world schooled her kids. She's been present with them. you know. So as she's releasing things from her plate and being able to fulfill the demand that she needs. She's also living the life that she desires, you know? And so really keep that in mind too, because, you know, as you're bringing on help and that's the right help because you're helping those people too, you're putting, you know, you're building a business, but you're also contributing to the amount of jobs that are out there in the world, you know, especially for crafters, right? And artists and that sort of thing. So it's just been a beautiful thing to see. And she's just been really great at figuring it out along the way. Hey, Product Boss, can you believe it's already time to start gearing up for the holiday season? The busiest time for Product Bosses is coming up fast, and we want to help you get ready to make it your best one yet. Because if you're being honest and we're being honest, right about now, you might feel like you hardly have enough time as it is. How are you supposed to fit 100 hours into 40? How can you get all the things done? You're not sure your business can handle the influx of the holiday season. You'd love to scale, but how are you supposed to do that? Especially if you're making everything yourself. And you're not even sure what to focus on. Which products should you be highlighting? How many do you really need? Is there a way to scale without offering a hundred options? And spoiler alert, yes, there is. Well, you're not alone, friend. So many product bosses feel this way, especially toward the end of the year. And we're here to help. That's why we created our upcoming free workshop series, The Product Boss's Guide to Getting Holiday Ready. We're hosting three free workshops where we're sharing some of the biggest tips and tricks on how to prepare yourself and your business so you can make the most of the profit pop at the end of the year. We want to help you gear up for the busiest time of year so you can crush those goals and make your holiday season the best one yet without the overwhelm because we know you want to enjoy the holidays too. So. Head to rockyourholidaypromotions.com slash free dash workshop. And yes, that's a mouthful. So the easier thing to do would just be click on the link in the show notes. And let's gear up for the end of the year together. All right. So let's jump into another case study about manufacturing and how you could scale your manufacturing business. So we want to share John and Chelsea. They're the owners of Dome Doc. You may have also heard them on the podcast and they were able to scale what actually started as a handmade business. So they were a handmade business on Etsy um, and they were able to then scale that into a manufactured business where they're no longer needing to sit outside in the shed. I always say whittle (laughs) the wood (laughs) for every order. But it's true because when they first started with us, John would be in the, I think it was like a garage and he would literally be making dome docks. Right. In his garage. Yeah. So so their dome docks and they're really cool. They have this patented product. And what it is is it's it's like a half moon shape dome dock. And what it's meant to do is to store your hats vertically so you can stack multiple baseball caps on top of themselves against the wall. It's like it's you know, it's like the home edit stream, right? It's like yeah, where do I put all my hats? I think it's like up to 30, 30 caps. It's really incredible. I actually have the three part one that was what they started on with Etsy, which was the wood version that were three together. And they were very successful in that. So 
they knew they had a product that was for what they envisioned to be um, the hat rack reinvented, right? Stacking them inside of each other. Mm -hmm. So that's who they are. And they're a husband and wife couple, you know, based in Texas with a, with a young family that had this great idea and saw a lot of success on Etsy as makers. Well, what they ended up doing in the fall of 2019 was they actually saw that it was doing so well. And I think it was John who concepted, um, instead of it being this wood hat rack that it turned or you know a dome dock instead of it being made out of wood that they could do a mold injection and create a mass manufactured version of this it's a little like a little bit more sleek and modern and so what they did is they ended up doing a um, kickstarter to raise money to be able to do an injection mold to then be able to afford the injection mold because those things are quite expensive to then be able to scale their business from handmade to manufacturing and to be able to reach a bigger market. Right. And they even got their patent. So it's just been really incredible to see their journey too. So they got the mold injection. So they were able to go to a manufacturer and say, here's what we want and here's what we're going to start doing. So they started... Their first step really was that they um, started manufacturing. They when we started working with them, it was actually pretty incredible. The amount, the progression of ordering, like, okay, we ordered, you know, I don't know. It, it was at like 10,000 was 10,000 at first they had to order gone in like a month. Then they ordered, you know, 30,000 gone in so quickly. So it's just been really incredible. And then the way they did that was they scaled with Facebook ads. I want to bring that up because, you know, Jack and I will really talk about um, organic first and then Facebook ads, but they really started with Facebook ads first and it really catapulted them. But here's the thing that happened. Facebook ads is just like any other platform around. You can't solely be dependent on just one. We've talked about this a lot. Like you can't just be dependent on Amazon or Etsy or even Facebook ads because when that faucet gets turned off, it's really hard on your business. And that's exactly what happened, right? iOS, we all, you know, if you do ads, you know exactly what I'm talking about. You feel the pain with them and with us. The um, iOS privacy updates, basically... Yeah. Apple and Facebook kind of I stopped know. working the way we were all work, working together. <laughs> um, so the iOS updates really changed the way that um, Facebook ads could reach potential customers and consumers, right? Because yeah. of security updates. So what happened is anyone that was running paid advertising really hit like a stumbling block of what worked no longer was working. And so that's what they saw that while they still run ads, what was working wasn't working and the costs were going up on cost per lead and the results weren't there. So they really had to think through, what do we do with this? Because my friends, like through being students in Multi-Stream Machine and in our mastermind and all the amazing work that they've done, and they talk about this on the podcast, they became a million dollar business within 10 months. Now they're yeah. a multi-million dollar business in less than a year and a half. And we've worked with them this whole time since they, they started the manufacturing part where they were able to get that mold injection. And so that's the challenge, right? So what did they do then, Nina? So, yeah. you know, as so the challenge was keeping up with their growth, because I mean, listening to even you say it, I'm just like, holy moly, that's... Crazy. Yeah, if we add up the months. <laughs> and and so the, the challenge was, right, was... And, and, and I just want to go back, right? So they started on Etsy as a handmade business. That was their original platform that they were selling on. Okay. They thought, oh, we've got something. Let's scale this. So again, when we said you can't do this without help, they scaled it by then being able to go to a manufacturer and mass produce their product. At that same time, they were able to take on an ad agency and then they were able to 
scale even more and, and actually sell you know tens of thousands of units because they were using Facebook ads to grow their business as manufacturers. So that's how they scaled the product, right? They've been able to keep up with capacity. They've done some other amazing things in their business, you know, whether they've hired team members, they've made their they worked on their systems. So they really streamlined their shipping processes. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And also their inventory and their, their packaging. Warehouse their warehousing, they've done all that. And they knew that they were set up, okay, we could fulfill the orders we need to fulfill. So then cut to Facebook ads not working. And then what did they do then? So that if that faucet was turned off, what we teach all the time, especially in multi-stream machine is multiple platforms, right? Because if something gets kicked out from underneath you, you need something else to fall back on. Mm -hmm. For sure. So the challenge is growing, keeping up with their growth and hitting a ceiling when it came to the sales part. Because you and I were working with them on the stabilization part, right? Figuring it out. We're scaling their business. But then the the ads and everything was scaling their sales. So now that actually was turned off quite a bit. So now we're like, okay, how can we keep scaling your sales? Right? And so the cha- that was a challenge, keeping up with that growth, how they uh, were already growing before. And so... Uh, what we did was we really worked with them on getting on other platforms. So that included Amazon and figuring that out as well as wholesale, right? So figuring that out as well. Because then if Am- they actually are doing really well on Amazon, for example, they already have a lot of orders. They have all the orders and emails of all these people that have previously ordered from them. So it's kind of a little bit of a, you know, guiding them to where you want them to rebuy from you. So guiding your Am- customers. Yeah, guiding your customers. So now they have Amazon. They're getting that moving. So then they haven't stopped doing ads, Facebook ads. They're just making another lane for themselves to be able to move forward in, right? Mm -hmm. And then um, they're also doing a wholesale. So they got into a local really big sports, like a... Shop. Or, yeah, sports shop. Um, and so in Texas, and that was really, really amazing. So that will really be the start of a snowball for something that could really look like a bit, you know, selling to big retailers for them. So mm-hmm. it's been really exciting because they've taken what they've gotten to a certain point by doing a certain thing, Facebook ads, Etsy, but now they have to kind of shift a little bit to see how can we grow from here. So what Jacqueline and I say all the time is that what gets you to a certain point probably is not what gets you to the next point, right? You just do it until it doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that was their solution. So their solution was that, again, they scaled by working with a manufacturer. They were using paid ads and then they were able to then jump onto other platforms that made sense for their business, that made sense for them and that made sense for their customers. So Amazon and wholesale. So they got onto other platforms. Now, here's the benefit to that. Okay. So... When we talk about your businesses and we talk about each of you having a different path to profit, each of you have a different life. So they have kids, they like to travel, they don't want to be sitting in-house shipping all the time and they are shipping. Well, they had hired a shipping uh, a warehouse manager and he recently had to leave. And so it was back on their plate, right? It was back on their plate to be able to keep up with this capacity of shipping. So here's the solution. Because they're doing so well on Amazon... Amazon acts as a partner to your business and Amazon will actually fulfill for you, right? Amazon will mm-hmm. sell for you. And Amazon will fulfill for you. So by having that platform added on to their business, if they lean in, like Mina was saying, like one of our strategies for them was to email their list and send the traffic to Amazon and not send the traffic to their own website. Because right now, they are at capacity with how much they can fulfill themselves. But 
but if they ship one bulk amount of shipment to Amazon, Amazon can fulfill for them. So that's a benefit of taking partnerships like that, where they don't have to worry so much about the sales on Amazon because Amazon has its own algorithm and its own customer base. And also it can also fulfill for them. Yeah. They have a daughter um, who's in summer break right now. And so they've gone on a family vacation, for example. So they're their business can still continue to move forward even without them, even though the warehouse guy is not there anymore, right? So really continuing to move forward. Yeah. So how amazing is that, right? For all of you, like how amazing would it be that even if, even if, you know, you had someone helping you and that person left temporarily, um, your business could still continue. And that's what's happening with them, right? So they've been able to scale the business. John no longer has to be whittling the wood tracks <laughs> in the back. They also don't always have to be shipping. They've grown their business enough that they can hire a team. And if that team falls out as well, they have these other platforms they can lean on like Amazon that they could send all of their traffic to in the meantime to be able to still generate those sales. So we're really proud of the both of them. They've done an amazing job and that's Domebach. So our last case study today that we want to share with you is about a retailer. So this is a little bit of a flipped idea for everyone. So it's Peggy and she owns Oakland Tico. Um, again, we'll link to that in the show notes. And she started off as a, a tea shop. Like a, she has a retail she has shop. a cafe. A cafe. So she has that in an office building and she was selling in this cafe to all of the people in the building. That's who would come generally come eat at her cafe. Mm -hmm. And so she really has this brilliance to her. Like if you ever meet her, she's just so smart when it comes to marketing. And she created tea boxes essentially. So she started selling um, like different syrups, different... She sells loose leaf teas and curated Mm -hmm. boba kits as well as kind of like other accoutrements that go with tea. Yeah. like that word? (laughs) <laughs> yes. Do they call that for tea though? I don't um, know. I used to try to be fancy. <laughs> so she really saw what her customers... What's really nice about having like a brick and mortar or a cafe or anything like a retail shop is that you get direct access to customer feedback. So you know what they want and what they don't want. So she realized that they really love the teas, the boba, the... um even the syrups and everything that goes together. But what they really liked was her putting it together for them. So she started off with uh, uh, boxes that were curated by her of like boba kits and tea kits. And they could buy loose leaf ones, which they do. And she does sell like a lot of like matcha and everything like that. So it was just, um, she flipped it for herself where she was able to upsell the customer that was coming in for a sandwich and perhaps some tea into a you know boba kit that was like, hey, you should take this with your friends and do this boba kit party night. And this would be really fun. And she was able to sell a lot of them just by simply doing that. Yeah. So, you know, the challenge here, you know, what it is, is it's, it's the challenge was that she had a cafe with products that people loved and they wanted to buy them from her. Right. They're like, I want to buy these. So she created her own product for her cafe. So she kind of became a product boss with a product that she could sell to people because the demand was there. Ooh, I love this. I'd love to take it home. We've all bought coffee at Starbucks or like, Mm -hmm. you know, when you go to a a coffee shop and you're like, I love the coffee. Can I take that home? So she, she built this, but her challenge was that she was an in person 
business, right? She had in-person retailers and, or um, customers and foot traffic walking in. And then she needed to sell. And so there was that, but she needed to scale it. So she needed to get it in front of more customers, like outside of just the people who walk into the cafe and want to buy. How does she get it in front of more customers? And so, you know, she also is a student in multi-stream machine. She um, did so well that she also then joined our mastermind. So all three of the people we've talked about are in our masterminds, but they all started in multi-stream machine. Um, so her challenge was that. So like Mina said, what did she do? So she looked at this and she said, where is my best opportunity to sell more? Like, where can I show up and sell to people who would want to buy what I sell? And so she cre- she does so well on social media. She does her... If you follow her at Oakland Tico, I mean, we're obsessed with watching her. Oh my gosh. She's like <laughs> a genius when it comes to genius video. marketer. Yes. Yeah. And it's just so pleasing to watch. You know, it's one of those so satisfying videos, but that's how she scaled, right? Her challenge was only having the foot traffic, having that data of here is people... Um, I could get people to buy more from me. So she started selling them these kits. Well, then it was like, oh, but now that I know people love these kits, how do I grow even further? Well, what did she do? She went online and used her superpower of social media, right? Mm -hmm. She's so good at it. And then she's been able to scale and get in front of more eyes using social media. Mm -hmm. She's actually literally DMing us right now on social media. Because I'm on her Instagram looking at it while we're talking about this. And she's sending... She's like, I love the podcast episode. And she's asking questions about the brick and mortar. Because she's a masterminder. She has access to us in that way. But yeah. So what she did is she took... She just... I mean, her aesthetic... I think people want to buy her cups all the time. You'll all understand when you follow her. Yeah. But she shows mixing the drink. So she shows products in use. So she shows recipes. She shows mixing the drink. It's beautiful. It's so Instagrammable. And that's the thing that that's when we discovered her. We were like, this person's amazing and we want everything that she makes. And her solution to that is that she sells kits. So that's what she's done. She's expanded from her brick and mortar to then having an online presence. She drives traffic to her online presence by showing up on social media, for example. Mm -hmm. Plus you can buy on social media. And she also has started to do a wholesale component to her business where... Because remember, we told you she's in this office building. She's actually starting to sell her gift boxes as um, to corporate for corporate gifting because they're coming in and they're loving it. So they're saying like, can I send this to our, you know, our clients? Can we gift this to our employees for the holidays? So she was really able to also think about how to get in front of other people's audiences, how to get other sales platforms, and how to take this retail... Brick, uh, brick and mortar, straight up foot traffic online to reach more customers. Yes. Perfection. My good. God. Amazing. Yes. Yeah. So, <laughs> so that's the result, right? And she, and also she's not done it on her own. So she has people who run the cafe. She has people that help her with fulfillment. Um, she's the one I think that manages her social, but that's the thing, right? And, and I think the running story here is like, you can't do it all on your own, but there is a potential for you all to get there. You just sometimes have to think differently than the way that you've been doing it. So mm-hmm. we've like what Mina said, it, whatever it takes you to get to this point, there might be a big shift in your business that needs to happen to get you to that next point. Yeah, for sure. There's this saying that I love so much. I don't love so much, but I don't know who says it. <laughs> but it is if you want to go fast, you go by yourself, right? We all can go fast. We can, you know, full steam ahead. But if you want to go far, you do it with other people, right? Mm-hmm. 
So here's the thing. We want you to go far. We want you to grow. We want you to scale and we want you to make as much profit as possible. When Jack and I talk about revenue, we're like, okay, we want you to make a million dollars in revenue, but really, we really actually want you to make a million dollars in profit. You know, so just imagine the steps that takes to go to there. Even if we're, you know, million, it seemed like a whole bunch when I said profit, but it could be like, if you want to get to 100,000 or if you are 200,000 and in revenue, well, then the next step is let's get you to 200,000 in profit, right? Mm -hmm. So um, we want you to go far and we want you to use these stories as proof that it can be done. Mm -hmm. And we'd love to hear from you. So if you want to send us a message on Instagram, we're at the product boss and share how you've scaled your business or how, you know, what community you're in, or maybe you're a student in multi-stream machine or in the product boss biz community, or even a masterminder, you know, send us a message. We love to hear your wins and we love to know sort of your process as well. So we are so excited about all the things and wins we're hearing already in our in our workshop series, The Product Boss's Guide to Getting Holiday Ready. It's totally free three-part workshop series. And we are just so excited uh, to see the results that are happening already. Yeah. We'll see you in there. It's totally free and we cannot wait to get that snowball rolling for you for this holiday season. Thank you for being here and listening all the way through the Product Boss Podcast. If you love our show and it has helped you in any way in your business, would you mind doing two things for us? Subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode and leave us a review. Reviews help other product entrepreneurs know that this is the place to be to grow their businesses and realize that they're not alone. And we know that you all know that a five-star and honest review helps you sell more products to more people. So you know that your reviews help us reach more listeners around the world. Remember, what we give is what we receive, and we are all about helping each other in the Product Boss community. We are all in this together. We would be so appreciative of you if you could take the time right now to subscribe, leave a review, and even share this episode on social or someone you know so we can impact more lives. And remember, subscribing means that you will get notified each time we release a new episode so you never miss a thing. You have helped us grow and climb into the top 10 of all marketing podcasts, and together we can keep climbing. Thank you, friends. And remember, there is room at the top for all of us. This episode is brought to you by the Shop 1 in 5 Pledge. We believe that when you purchase from a small online or offline business, your dollar goes further. Hey friends, Mina and I created the Shop 1 in 5 Pledge, and we're inviting you to take the pledge with us. It's a commitment to make one in five of your purchases from a small business, online or offline. It's a way to make an impact together where and when it matters most. Because the truth is, your purchasing power matters now more than ever. We're inviting you to take the pledge if you head to shop1in5.com. The link is in the show notes. And when you get there, please make sure to share the pledge with your friends, your family, and your customers. Let's invite everyone to take the Shop 1 in 5 pledge so that we can all use our purchasing power to change lives.